Aloha. Aloha. Yes, uh, hey, um, I grew up in a in a generation where um, where we are we are we're stone for our generation. I'm a millennial. Anybody millennials in this room, right? If you've been born since 1984 and up uh, and down, you you are and up you are a millennial. And so uh, we we get dogged upon a lot. One of the the things they're saying about millennials is that we're lazy, right? One of the things they're saying about millennials is that uh, that like, you know, when you go to sports, everybody gets awards, right? Even the worst player, right? Like, like even like T-ball, like when my boys played T-ball a couple years ago, right? Like, they, they didn't have three strikes. Like, when I played T-ball, we had at least five strikes, right? But, no, they let you swing 20-something times till you hit the bat because they want to make everybody feel good, you know? And I, and I believe we live in a generation where... Um, well, we have crippled what it means to earn something. Did you know that our culture alone in Hawaii is the number one recipients of welfare? Now, in my case, it's not legitimate a lot of times. We have young, grown men, 23 years old, living off of mama, all right, getting $500 of food stamps, or EBT these days, right? and getting some cash flow. And then we see some elderly people in this room who have to work. They can't qualify. So, so the system, to me, is kind of jacked up, right? Kind of getting jaded and all that. We, have, we also have men who aren't committed to their people they're having children with. You know, whether they're married or not married. We, we have men who uh, let the woman run all over them, vice versa. The, the, the woman letting the man uh, beat up on her. And whatever the case is, we live in a culture where, man, we're flawed, right? It's jaded, right? I know you came to church, man, I don't want to hear stuff like this. This is what I experienced all week. No, you got to hear this. This is the best, best place to hear this. I've been, one of the things about the gospel of Jesus Christ is transparency, all right? Transparency. The idea to be real. The idea to be pono, as us Hawaiians say in our culture. The idea to, to let the guard down and not try to put up this churchy look or this face look, but to share and confess your, your struggles, and I shared about a month ago that I've been battling in, in a season of depression again. And there's two reasons why I was depressed. Number one, uh, I wasn't seeing results, right? Results in my own personal life, results in our church life. And though we, we started going like this month is a weird month, right? Like we went from a high September month in the hundreds and this month is a lower month. Like that causes some depression on me. But then after, then the second part is my depression resulted into some critical and controlling leadership. Uh, you guys know I'm a coach. If you watch me on a football field, I, I pastor the same way I coach. You know, they work hand in hand. I'm allowed. Sometimes obnoxious kanaka, you know, and some of that. People wouldn't say that to my face because they either scared of me or they really love me, you know. Or, or, or that's the reality. They want to have hakaka, but that's the reality. That, that's what depression has for some of us. It's eating too much food. For some of us, it's, it's going to the bottle. For some of us, it's going to some kind of... The, the, the gospel causes us to be transparent. I've been so encouraged by our Ohana group reports that there's been some transparency going on. And I want to let you guys know, since I confessed what I've been dealing with about a month ago, that I'm Pono. I'm better. I'm not saying I'm arrived all, but I'm Pono, I'm better. Why? Because two things. God reminded me where I came from. You know, that little old Kalohoi boy from Popeiko, right? Keokaha, right? And number two, he reminded where he promised he'll take me. So, so like the message hasn't even started, and those are some two things I want you guys to remember. 
Remember where you came from before Jesus. And remember because of Jesus where he's going to take you. And the reality is he's going to perfect you. Philippians 1, 6, 6 says, I am confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began a new work in me, will perfect it. Isn't that good news? He'll perfect it until Jesus Christ has returned. So moving forward, last week, Kaho Marcus kicked off our new series called Designed by God. If you're new to our church, we usually go through a book study, verse by verse. Right now, we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. But today, we're going to go in a different direction. For the month of November, we want to look at God's design for the family of God. The, the reason why we named the church Ohana is because culturally, it means family. But also contextually, there's a lot of people without family. We're going into the season of Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, and there'll be a lot of college students, specifically at UH, who aren't going to go back home to the mainland, and they need Ohana, right? There's people who don't, who, are, who don't have family at all, but they stay here, they choose to stay here. And so here's our glorious opportunity to talk about what it means to be designed by God by His way. Kahu talked about the foundation, all right? the foundation of the family. Today, I want to talk about the structure of the family. We learned that the foundation of the family is founded on the Holy Spirit. Without God's Spirit, we are His child, as Romans 8, said. Romans 8 says. But with God's Spirit, we're His family. And I want us to look specifically on the structure today. And today, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Can I get a witness out there, right? All right, we're going to get out of the New Testament for a little bit. We're going to jump back in the OGOT area, okay? And we're going to jump in, uh, in Kinohi. That's what, if you did not know, Kinohi is the word for Genesis in the book, uh, in the scriptures in Hawaiian. So I want you to stand with me in God's perfect reading of the word. I'm not perfect, you know that, Hawaiians, all right? But he is perfect. And I would encourage you to bring a form of the word of God. If not, there is, the word is on the screen. But you guys know this story. God created the heavens and the what? The earth, right? And God begins to do all these miraculous things. He didn't, it didn't take him much work to do. He just said it and it came to fruition. And now we come to the area of humanity. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, this is where you come in. Like make it sound like pigeon right there, like choke pigeon. Say neighbor, it is where you come in. Ho mau kau kau. God created Adam, and starting in verse 18, it says this way. Then the Lord God said, it is not what? Good that the man should be what? Alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Right? Kuliana. God gives man responsibility. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Right? Think about all those weird names today, right? The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a what? Helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh, right? The first transplant, literally. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, Adam, he made into a what? Woman. And brought her to the man. 
Then the man said, That at last is bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, meaning everything you've just read, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God, I pray that more than just going through the motions of church, God, you would speak to our now. God, help us to apply every application that we get from your text today. Help us to be faithful to the reading and the articulation and the breakdown of this text. Let's not take for granted your word, God. This is the words you've breathed out of your own mouth that inspire us to look to you, our author and finisher. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God, Johanna says, Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about the structure of the family this morning. Uh, for the last week, we've been going into this family worship. If, if you've not been participating in that, I encourage you to participate in it. It's online. Every Sunday, we have our notes on the Bible app, and you can find Ohana Church's uh, sermon notes, and, and it gives you a link directly to our family worship aspect. But I want you to know this. Uh, there's five reasons why we should prioritize family worship. It's not on the screen, but I want you just to hear. All right, I want you to say, number one, Donald Whitney said this. Number one, this is the reason why we should have family worship. Because God deserves to be worshipped in our homes with our families. Like, he deserves that. Number two, there's no better way to speak the gospel in the lives of our family each day than to have family worship. Number three, there's no better way to provide a regular time for you kids to learn the things of God every day. Number four, there's no better way for your kids to see the ongoing positive spiritual example of their parents in real life. I want to stop there just a little bit. One of the realities that made me sick of church is that we come act one way here, and we act differently when we get home. Can I get a witness, right? Many of you may know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a gospel family. My father and my mother were first-generation Christians right here on this Aina. We, they loved the Lord, but there was an inconsistency of what happened on Sunday mornings versus what happened on Sunday afternoon to Saturday evenings in the home. Is that just me? Right? There was a hypocrisy that every people who say they don't want to come to church, that they saw that, that totally jaded them from experiencing the true gospel. Let me tell you, here's the true gospel. You ready? We have broken people that need to be lifted up. Sometimes we come in here with our masquerades, our face masks, and we're, we act like we need to look good, we need to act good, we need to dress well. You know, the reality is God is not so concerned about what you look like versus what your heart is like. And today we're going to address that when it comes to the structure of the family. Lastly, number five, when it comes to family worship and priority, it, it isn't, it, it's, this, it's the way we really want to make God known. I'm going I'm to encourage you today. If your worship experience is limited to Sundays alone, you're not truly experiencing the fruit of God. 
The, the joy of knowing Christ is that it's an ongoing, daily renown of us coming together as a family. Now, now individual families, I'm saying, right? And saying, God, we absolutely need you. We absolutely need you. We absolutely want you. And so here, here's my prayer. My prayer is that my hope for us in this room is that I pray we would truly have a desire to grow deeper in our relationship with God, not just on the Sunday church scale, but on a day-to-day -day scale. I want us to truly dive deep into what it means to follow Jesus from a scripture point of view, not a man-made centered point of view. Can I get a witness, right? This scripture we believe is 100% true, the Bible. We believe it has tested all of time. It's tested all wars, countries. People have tried to misinterpret it. But the Word of God is still active and sharper like a two-edged sword. And it cuts, right? How many of you know that it cuts this morning, right? The sword spiritually cuts us, and that's why we're changed today. That's why we come today here to see what it means to follow Christ. And so I just want to give you two things today. All right, when it comes to the structure of the family, number one, the structure of the family begins with God. Amen. Come on now, all right? The structure of the family begins with God. I want you to see those words. Those words are powerful. You see God saying something, and then there's an action that takes place when he says, look, he says, then the Lord God said, right? That's the structure of the family. There's an action taken. There's a position of the title and the, the, the action. Then we said, then the Lord God had formed, number two. It goes on in our text in verse 21. It says, then the Lord God has caused. Then it goes on in verse 22. Then the Lord God had taken. Uh, it goes on furthermore. And then there's a beautiful picture of what happened when God does something. There's a response from man. God does this. God caused this. God will do this. The structure of the family begins with God. Therefore, shouldn't we start our day with God? Sure, look, I tell you, I'm a different brother when I spend time with God before I get out of the house, right? I'm a different Hawaiian, I promise you that, right? And I'm going to tell you, the opposite is true. I want different Hawaiian when I don't spend time with the Lord. Can I get a witness, right? False crack, matter of fact, super pack, right? That's the reality. Oh, Bulaia, sorry, right? That's the reality. We, we, we come into this world jaded, right? And we need someone to free us from ourselves, and, and that's God. The, the structure of the family begins with God. He started it. He designed it. He created it. It's very clear in our text of Genesis that because God created the family, it primarily begins with him. Therefore, we need to talk about him. A family that is centered on God is a family that's not divided because they're centered on God. And there's some specific things we see in our text today. You know, let's talk about our quiet times, right? Number one, some people would say, listen to this. I thought this was profound. Some people would say this. Man, ah, I don't really like spending time with God in the morning. That's not really my cup of tea. I like spending time when he has all my attention in the evening and all that. I would say this to you, okay? Because right? they would ask me, Kahu, is, is it okay to spend time with God in the evening rather than in the morning? Let me give you, let me give you something to think about. All right? Does the orchestra tune their instrument before the concert or after the concert? Then why do we treat God as if he's the last thing on our list? The Old Testament and the New Testament talks about tuning up all day long. It talks about the, the doctrine of first fruits. 
First fruits mean the first, when I wake up, my first attention, my first affection is given to God. Right? Now, now, is that true for all of us? Myself included, I am flawed by that understanding. Sometimes my first attention is social media. Can I get a witness out there, right? Yeah, none of you, because you're perfect in this or got you, all right? That's the reality. Alright? Like, like, like our first attention should be God because the structure of the family and the structure of our lives begins with God. But I want you to see how God install, installs this structure. Number one, we see a specific order in the creation of the family. Look how God creates when it comes to humanity. He creates Adam first. In our chapter, we see details on how God made and how God wired man. Number one, we see that God created man from forming him from the dust of the ground, and then check this out, then he breathed life into that dirt. And that dirt became what we know as Adam, man. Number two, God then tasked Adam, the man, the dirt man, can I get a witness, right? To take care of the garden and give each animal a name. There is an order, there is a specific order in the creation of the family that started with God. Now being the first of anything puts both value and weight on it. Right? How many in this room are the oldest of the siblings? Raise your hands. Right? There is more weight and value to you. you, you uh, even for Kaimana, I said, bro, watch your little brother's line. All right? Watch him. All right? Like Kaina Cole will run across the street. All right? And all that when we're playing around it. Let's make sure you watch. Kaina Cole is in school now. Help us, Lord. Right? Preschool. And he's the baby in the, in the whole group because he's too young and all that right now. But, but like there's certain things that he's not used to. And we always tell Kamana, when you go to school, make sure you take a look at, after your brother because there's a lot of value and weight to first things. First children. Uh, your first baby shower in Hawaii. Oh, not baby shower. First birthday party, right? One-year-old birthday party. Man, that is some crazy things. You guys go, man, I don't know how you guys don't take out one loan Hawaiians over here. You know what I'm saying? But your first-year-old baby party. Like, it's crazy. The kinds of, what? You got three-plus playing? I don't know who the Google band did it. Ekolu? He's like, bro, that is one loan Hawaiian. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, we put value and weight on that. So does God. God puts value on man. I want to speak to the man today. God values you. So much that you were first. Therefore, there's a kuleana, there's a responsibility. And we practice all through our culture, the first child, the first business company or, or of a future franchise, the first person to graduate from college in a family, the first African-American president a couple years back, the future first woman president, whatever that would look like, right? We put value and weight on things that are first. Man of God, God's called you to be first. Here's a clarity truth. God did not create Adam first because he needed help. God created Adam simply because that, that is what it means to be God, right? God is both creative and powerful, right? I mean, how many of you can create man out of dirt? Can I get a witness, right? Uh-uh, you ain't that. You ain't all that, Hawaiian. You know what I'm saying? It ain't the truth, right? But, but God is very creative and all-powerful, biblical truth. Here, the same breath God gave to Adam is the same breath Adam used to take care of God's creation. How are you taking care of God's creation today? We would say, Malama da Aina, right? We say, Aloha Aina. We say, Aloha Malama da Mauna, right? We say all this stuff. Like, like, how are you taking care? How are you shepherding the breath that's in you to give to creative things? 
right? We, we don't worship created things. We worship the creator, Jesus, but it is our kuleana to take care of that which God has given us. So, so man of God, you breathe, the, you breathe to glorify God by taking care of his creation, all right? Women, all right? Secondly, God created you second specifically. Uh, we see in the scripture that that woman's name was Eve. God created Eve in a different way. Can I get a witness, women, right? God created you in a different way. Look at it. Number one, he caused a deep sleep over Adam. All right? No, he didn't say he got more dirt. All right? Listen to this. Number two, it says that he taken out of Adam his rib and formed it into a woman, which we call Eve. Eve was an extension of God's breath through Adam in the form of his rib. Again, again, look at it. This shows God's creativity and power on what he can do. I mean, that's powerful, right? And so this is not a, an arrogant statement for us men to be, oh, look at me, woman. You look good because of me. You know what I'm saying? That is not what it's saying. What it's saying is that God, the family, the structure of the family starts with God. God is all-powerful. God is very creative. And then we see a beautiful thing why God created Adam. You ready? Because men, hear me out. All right? You one fry short of a happy meal. What does that mean? You're not very bright at times. Now, some of you, man, what you talking about, Kawhi? You're on PhD in brightness over here. What are you talking about? No, no. You need a helper. Isn't it cool that God said everything was good? The, the earth, the heaven, right? The, the, the birds, the animals, everything was good. Everything was perfect, porno. Everything was right. But there's one thing God said that was not good. The text says that man should not what? Be alone, right? What does that mean? God created us to look like him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is in community together. God didn't create us or wire us to, to live this life alone. He created us to look like him. Why? Because we breathe his breath. We share his breath. It's the word aloha, the, the shared breath. Not just high and by, but the real the Hawaiian term is to share our breath, to, to share life. And I want to extend this to you guys. God has given you such responsibility, women, to help your mate. You help your mate. Look at the, the foundation. The word helper is the Hebrew word azer. All right? Now, here's the cool thing. The word azer means to aid. To aid. You know what is it? You know what? Everybody remember the aid box? The first aid box? What does the first aid box do? Take care of your coquillos. Come on. You don't need PhD. You never know that line. All right? Take care of your coquillos, your cuts and all that. You know what is another word for Azar in the Hebrew word for English? Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's role? To aid. Women of God. God created you to aid. God created you to be a helpmate. God created you and wired you to support, to kukua, to help, right? Why? Because Why? that's a picture of God. The structure of the family begins with God, right? We see another specific thing. Number two, um, oh, let's look at this reality truth real quick. Women, right, you were created to minister 
to your husband. Look at this word Azar again. It's found in Psalms 2.2. It says this, that may he, God, send you help, send you aid in Zion. Psalm 33.20 says, may he, God, he is our help and our shield. He is our aid and our shield. Psalm 75, oh God, you are my help, my aid, and my deliverer. Psalms 121 says, from where does my help come? My help comes from who? The Lord, right? Who comes from heaven and earth, right? Psalms 124.8 says, Our help, our aid is in the name of the Lord. It's very evident that our aid is found in God. Definitely so our family should be founded on the promises of God. So women, for you, reality truth, women, you were created to minister to your husband. Woman, right, to your husband. The way God specifically ordered the creation of man and woman is a picture of ownership and responsibility. So man, since you were created first, own that. Woman, because you were uh, created second, own that, right? Don't try to be first. Man, don't try to be second. I am a complementarianist. What does that mean? I believe in man power, all right? But even so, I believe in woman power. Can I get a witness in there? I believe they complement one another. As the man leads, as the woman co-leads along their helpmate, the goal is not to see who has the, the most PhDs or whatever, the education or smarts. The goal is to glorify God, right? And we glorify God as we understand the foundation of how he created us. And the marriage, the, the foundation, the structure of, of this beautiful family is centered on God alone. Number two, a, so we see a specific order in the calling of the family. In our verses, we see that Adam takes care of the garden. And, and we see in Israel, she was his helpmate to her. What does that mean? Men, get off your butt and work. Ooh, quiet this room. Oh, but I work, Kawa. I do work. Every three months I get one job. That's not working. You are called to, to protect. You're called to provide. You're called to pray, right? And it's not even the sermon today, all right? But that's the reality. You're called to protect, provide, and pray because that's what God has called you to be. In Ephesians, we give some specific details on how, how the family should operate. Ephesians verse, uh, five, chapter 5, starting in verse 22, it says this. Wives, submit to your own what? Thank you, woman, for saying that loud. Let's say it again. Wives, submit to your own what? Praise the Lord as to the Lord. Right, right. Like, like, like if we just say, if we just stop with the text and say, wives, submit to your husband. Oh, that's jacked up stuff, right? Hoing. <laughs> Even me. If I was a female... I'd be like, what are you thinking over here? Right? But like, like, wives submit to your husband? You're crazy. You know who my husband is. Hey, you don't want to marry him. <laughs> right, right? That's the real, but, but look, but if we keep reading the text, there's beauty and truth. Look, it says, wives submit to your husband as what? To the Lord. Can I get a witness there, right? Right, right? That the, the, the structure of the family begins, to, begins with God. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Jesus is the head of what? The church, his body, and his, him himself is its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything. And some of you mamas looking at me, I wish you would, Kahu, right? 
Like, like in every, not, not some things, right, Carrie Lou? But everything, right, to her husbands, right? right? Talk about plurality. Uh, verse 25 says, husbands. Here you go, husbands. You ready? Here you go, all one of you. Here you go, husbands. Love your wives, right? As what? Christ loved the church. Let's stop right there. If we just stop love your wives, and you guys just came from a big scrap this morning, right? It's hard for love my wife, right? But that's why you got to read on. Love your wives as what? Christ, who is the greatest model for us, loved the church and gave himself up for her. Kahu, you don't know her pilam, how kahu, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know what I go through every single day. I know some of this hitting home for some of your kanakas in there. Huh? Hey, that's the reality. But, but look, that's why our view needs to be directed to God's view. Right? It says God's view, right? He loved the church and gave himself for her, right? And the church is not that perfect. Can I get a witness out there, right? That he might sanctify her, meaning cleanse her and wash her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the what? Word. Right? How do you love your wife? You share the word of God with her. Oh, I do, uh, you know, I've been doing everything. I've been giving her flowers and candies and all this. I'm going to be honest with you. You know how women are wired? Every woman that I know is wired in the love language in one way. You ready, for, you ready to hear it? Words of affirmation. Right, man? Not, not all of us, but like for me. I don't care for words of affirmation from my wife, right? I'm, a, I'm the service kind. I'm like, no, no, prove it to me, right? Do the, do the work. And that's how I'm wired as a man. But women, God designed you to hear words of affirmation. Not just to boost up your ego, right? But to boost up your soul. God wired you that way. You came from the soul. How we know? You're a rib. You are a rib, Jack. That's what it is. Like, like, you come from the soul part, right? You come from a part that, that really is the inner part. It wasn't an external part, right? right? It wasn't a finger, right? Thank God we didn't have, uh, we have five fingers each, right? That would just look weird. Yeah, and this is odd looks better, right? Odd numbers, right? right just look bigger, right? Four, oh, hallelujah, right? Now, if you're losing limbs this morning, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to talk to you directly. It is what it is. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. All right. I mean, but, but we see this beautiful. So, look at this. Look at this. 